Chapter Nine of When Knighthood Was in Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. When Knighthood Was in Flower by Charles Major. Chapter Nine Put Not Your Trust in Princesses i thought the king's dance that night would never end so fond were the frenchmen of our fair ladies and i was more than anxious to see brandon and learn the issue of the girl's escapade as i well knew the danger attending it all things however must end so early in the morning i hastened to our rooms where i found brandon lying in his clothes everything saturated with blood from a dozen sword cuts he was very weak and i at once had in a barber who took off his shirt of mail and dressed his wounds he then dropped into a deep sleep while i watched the night out upon wakening brandon told me all that had happened but asked me to say nothing of his illness as he wished to keep the fact of his wounds secret in order that he might better conceal the cause of them but as i told you he did not speak of Buckingham's part in the affray. I saw the princess that afternoon, and expected, of course, she would inquire for her defender, one who had given such timely help and who was suffering so much on her account was surely worth a little solicitude, but not a word did she ask. She did not come near me, but made a point of avoidance, as I could plainly see. The next morning she, with Jane, went over to Scotland Palace without so much as a breath of inquiry from either of them. This heartless conduct enraged me, but I was glad to learn afterward that Jane's silence was at Mary's command, that bundle of selfishness fearing that any solicitude, however carefully shown upon her part, might reveal her secret. It seems that Mary had recent intelligence of the forward state of affairs in the marriage negotiations, and felt that a discovery by her brother of what she had done, especially in view of the disastrous results, would send her to France despite all the coaxing she could do from then till doomsday. It was a terrible fate hanging over her, doubly so in view of the fact that she loved another man and looking back at it all from the vantage point of time, I cannot wonder that it drove other things out of her head, and made her seem selfish in her frightened desire to save herself. About twelve o'clock of the following night I was awakened by a knock on my door, and, upon opening, in walked a sergeant of the Sheriff of London with four yeomen at his heels. The sergeant asked if one Charles Brandon was present, and upon my affirmative answer, demanded that he be forthcoming i told the sergeant that brandon was confined to his bed with illness whereupon he asked to be shown to his room it was useless to resist or to evade so i awakened brandon and took the sergeant in here he read his warrant to arrest charles brandon esquire for the murder of two citizens of london perpetrated done and committed upon the night of such and such a day of this year of our lord fifteen fourteen brandon's hat had been found by the side of the dead men and the authorities had received information from a high source that brandon was the guilty person that high source was evidently buckingham 
when the sergeant found brandon covered with wounds there was no longer any doubt and although hardly able to lift his hand he was forced to dress and go with them a horse litter was procured and we all started to london while brandon was dressing i said i would at once go and awaken the king who i knew would pardon the offence when he heard my story but brandon asked the sergeant to leave us to ourselves for a short time and closed the door please do nothing of the sort cascaden said he if you tell the king i will declare there is not one word of truth in your story there is only one person in the world who may tell of that night's happening and if she does not they shall remain untold she will make it all right at once i know i would not do her the foul wrong to think for one instant that she will fail you do not know her she sometimes seems selfish but it is thoughtlessness fostered by flattery and her heart is right i would trust her with my life if you breathe a word of what i have told you you may do more harm than you can ever remedy and i ask you to say nothing to any one if the princess would not liberate me but that is not to be thought of never doubt that she can and will do it better than you think she is all gold this of course silenced me as i did not know what new danger i might create nor how i might mar the matter i so much wished to mend i did not tell brandon that the girls had left greenwich nor of my undefined and perhaps unfounded fear that mary might not act as he thought she would in a great emergency but silently helped him to dress and went to london along with him and the sheriff's sergeant brandon was taken to newgate the most loathsome prison in london at the time it being used for felons while ludgate was for debtors here he was thrown into an underground dungeon foul with water that seeped through the old masonry from the moat and alive with every noisome thing that creeps there was no bed no stool no floor not even a wisp of straw simply the reeking stone walls covered with fungus and the windowless arch overhead one could hardly conceive a more horrible place in which to spend even a moment i had a glimpse of it by the light of the keeper's lantern as they put him in and it seemed to me a single night in that awful place would have killed me or driven me mad i protested and begged and tried to bribe but it was all of no avail the keeper had been bribed before i arrived although it could do no possible good i was glad to stand outside the prison walls in the drenching rain all the rest of that wretched night that i might be as near as possible to my friend and suffer a little with him was not i too greatly indebted to him had he not imperilled his life and given his blood to save the honour of jane as well as of mary jane dearer to me a thousandfold than the breath of my nostrils and was he not suffering at that moment because of this great service performed at my request and in my place if my whole soul had not gone out to him i should have been the most ungrateful wretch on earth worse even than a pair of selfish careless girls but it did go out to him and i believe i would have bartered my life to have freed him from another hour in that dungeon 
as soon as the prison gates were opened next morning i again importuned the keeper to give brandon a more comfortable cell but his reply was that such crimes had of late become so frequent in london that no favour could be shown those who committed them and that men like brandon who ought to know and act better deserved the maximum punishment i told him he was wrong in this case that i knew the facts and everything would be clearly explained that very day and brandon released that's all very well responded the stubborn creature nobody is guilty who comes here they can every one prove innocence clearly and at once notwithstanding they nearly all hang and frequently for variety's sake are drawn and quartered i waited about newgate until nine o'clock and as i passed out met buckingham and his man johnson a sort of lawyer knight going in i went down to the palace at greenwich and finding that the girls were still at scotland palace rode over at once to see them upon getting mary and jane to myself i told them of brandon's arrest on the charge of murder and of his condition lying half dead from wounds and loss of blood in that frightful dungeon the tale moved them greatly and they both gave way to tears i think mary had heard of the arrest before as she did not seem surprised do you think he will tell the cause of the killing she asked i know he will not i answered but i also know that he knows you will and i looked straight into her face certainly we will said jane we will go to the king at once and she was on the qui vive to start immediately mary did not at once consent to jane's proposition but sat in reverie looking with tearful eyes into vacancy apparently absorbed in thought after a little pressing from us she said i suppose it will have to be done i can see no other way but blessed mother mary help me the girls made hasty preparations and we all started back to greenwich that mary might tell the king on the road over i stopped at newgate to tell brandon that the princess would soon have him out knowing how welcome liberty would be at her hands but i was not permitted to see him i swallowed my disappointment and thought it would be only a matter of a few hours delay the time spent in riding down to greenwich and sending back a messenger so light-hearted enough at the prospect i soon joined the girls and we cantered briskly home after waiting a reasonable time for mary to see the king i sought her again to learn where and from whom i should receive the order for brandon's release and when i should go to london to bring him what was my surprise and disgust when mary told me she had not yet seen the king that she had waited to eat and bathe and dress and that a few moments more or less could make no difference my god your highness did i not tell you that the man who saved your life and honour who is covered with wounds received in your defence and almost dead from loss of blood spilled that you might be saved from worse than death is now lying in a rayless dungeon a place of frightful filth such as you would not walk across for all the wealth of london bridge is surrounded by loathsome creeping things that would sicken you but to think of is resting under a charge whose penalty is that he be hanged drawn and quartered 
and yet you stop to eat and bathe and dress in god's name mary tudor of what stuff are you made if he had waited but one little minute had stopped for the drawing of a breath had held back for but one faltering thought from the terrible odds of four swords to one what would you be now think princess think i was a little frightened at the length to which my feeling had driven me but mary took it all very well and said slowly and absent-mindedly you are right i will go at once i despise my selfish neglect there is no other way i have racked my brain there is no other way it must be done and i will go at once and do it and i will go with you said i i do not blame you she said for doubting me since i have failed once but you need not doubt me now it shall be done and without delay regardless of the cost to me i have thought and thought to find some other way to liberate him but there is none i will go this instant and i will go with you lady mary said i doggedly she smiled at my persistency and took me by the hand saying come we at once went off to find the king but the smile had faded from mary's face and she looked as if she were going to execution every shade of colour had fled and her lips were the hue of ashes we found the king in the midst of his council with the french ambassadors discussing the all-absorbing topic of the marriage treaty and henry fearing an outbreak refused to see the princess as usual opposition but spurred her determination so she sat down in the anteroom and said she would not stir until she had seen the king after we had waited a few minutes one of the king's pages came up and said he had been looking all over the palace for me and that the king desired my presence immediately i went in with the page to the king leaving mary alone and very melancholy in the antechamber upon entering the king's presence he asked where have you been sir edwin i have almost killed a good half-dozen pages hunting you i want you to prepare immediately to go to paris with an embassy to his majesty king louis you will be the interpreter the ambassador you need not know make ready at once the embassy will leave london from the tabard inn one hour hence could a command of duty come at a more inopportune time i was distracted and upon leaving the king went at once to seek the lady mary where i had left her in the anteroom she had gone so i went to her apartments but could not find her i went to the queen's salon but she was not there and i traversed that old rambling palace from one end to the other without finding her or lady jane the king had told me the embassy would be a secret one and that i was to speak of it to nobody least of all to the lady mary no one was to know that i was leaving england and i was to communicate with no one at home while in france the king's command was not to be disobeyed to do so would be as much as my life was worth but beside that the command of the king i served was my highest duty and no cascadin ever failed in that i may not be as tall as some men but my fidelity and honour but you will say i boast i was to make ready my bundle and ride six miles to london in one hour and almost half that time was spent already 
I was sure to be late, so I could not waste another minute. I went to my room and got together a few things necessary for my journey, but did not take much in the way of clothing, preferring to buy that new in Paris, where I could find the latest styles in pattern and fabric. I tried to assure myself that Mary would see the king at once and tell him all, and not allow my dear friend Brandon to lie in that terrible place another night. Yet a persistent fear gnawed at my heart, and a sort of intuition that seemed to have the very breath of certainty in its foreboding made me doubt her. As I could find neither Mary nor Jane, I did the next best thing. I wrote a letter to each of them, urging immediate action, and left them to be delivered by my man Thomas, who was one of those trusty souls that never fail. I did not tell the girls I was about to start for France, but intimated that I was compelled to leave London for a time, and said, I leave the fate of this man to whom we all owe so much in your hands knowing full well how tender you will be of him. I was away from home nearly a month, and as I dared not write, and even Jane did not know where I was, I did not receive nor expect any letters. The king had ordered secrecy, and if I have mingled with all my faults a single virtue, it is that of faithfulness to my trust. So I had no news from England, and sent none home. During all that time the same old fear lived in my heart that Mary might fail to liberate Brandon. She knew of the negotiations concerning the French marriage, as we all did, although only by an indefinite sort of hearsay, and I was sure the half-founded rumors that had reached her ears had long since become certainties, and that her heart was full of trouble and fear of her violent brother. She would certainly be at her coaxing and wheedling again, and on her best behavior, and I feared she might refrain from telling Henry of her trip to Grouches, knowing how severe he was in such matters, and how furious he was sure to become at the discovery. I was certain it was this fear which had prevented Mary from going directly to the king on our return to Greenwich from Scotland Palace and I knew that her eating, bathing, and dressing were but an excuse for a breathing spell before the dreaded interview. This fear remained with me all the time I was away, but when I reasoned with myself I would smother it as well as I could with argumentative attempts at self-assurance. I would say over and over to myself that Mary could not fail, and that even if she did there was Jane, dear, sweet, thoughtful, unselfish Jane, who would not allow her to do so. But as far as they go, our intuitions, our feelings, as we call them, are worth all the logic in the world, and you may say what you will, but my presentiments, I speak for no one else, are well to be minded. There is another sense hidden about us that will develop as the race grows older. I speak to posterity. In proof of this statement, I now tell you that when I returned to London, I found Brandon still in the terrible dungeon, and worse still, he had been tried for murder, and had been condemned to be hanged, drawn, and quartered on the second Friday following. Hanged, drawn, quartered! It is time we were doing away with such barbarity! 
we will now go back a month for the purpose of looking up the doings of a friend of ours his grace the duke of buckingham on the morning after the fatal battle of billingsgate the barber who had treated brandon's wounds had been called to london to dress a bruised knee for his grace the duke in the course of the operation an immense deal of information oozed out of the barber one item of which was that he had the night before dressed nine wounds great and small for master brandon the king's friend this established the identity of the man who had rescued the girls a fact of which buckingham had had his suspicions all along so brandon's arrest followed as i have already related to you i afterward learned from various sources how this nobleman began to avenge his mishap with brandon at mary's ball when the latter broke his sword-point first he went to newgate and gave orders to the keeper who was his tool to allow no communication with the prisoner and it was by his instructions that brandon had been confined in the worst dungeon in london then he went down to greenwich to take care of matters there knowing that the king would learn of brandon's arrest and probably take steps for his liberation at once the king had just heard of the arrest when buckingham arrived and the latter found he was right in his surmise that his majesty would at once demand brandon's release when the duke entered the king's room henry called to him my lord you are opportunely arrived so good a friend of the people of london can help us greatly this morning our friend brandon has been arrested for the killing of two men night before last in billingsgate ward i am sure there is some mistake and that the good sheriff has the wrong man but right or wrong we want him out and ask your good offices i shall be most happy to serve your majesty and will go to london at once to see the lord mayor in the afternoon the duke returned and had a private audience with the king i did as your majesty requested in regard to brandon's release he said but on investigation i thought it best to consult you again before proceeding further i fear there is no doubt that brandon is the right man it seems he was out with a couple of wenches concerning whom he got into trouble and stabbed two men in the back it is a very aggravated case and the citizens are much incensed about it owing partly to the fact that such occurrences have been so frequent of late i thought under the circumstances and in view of the fact that your majesty will soon call upon the city for a loan to make up the lady mary's dower it would be wise not to antagonize them in this matter but to allow master brandon to remain quietly in confinement until the loan is completed and then we can snap our fingers at them we will snap our fingers at the scurvy burghers now and have the loan too returned henry angrily i want brandon liberated at once and i shall expect another report from you immediately my lord buckingham felt that his revenge had slipped through his fingers this time but he was patient where evil was to be accomplished and could wait then it was that the council was called during the progress of which mary and i had tried to obtain an audience of the king buckingham had gone to pay his respects to the queen and on his way back espied mary waiting for the king in the ante-room and went to her at first she was irritated at the sight of this man whom she so despised but a thought came to her that she might make use of him 
she knew his power with the citizens and the city authorities of london and also knew or thought she knew that a smile from her could accomplish everything with him she had ample evidence of his infatuation and she hoped that she could procure brandon's liberty through buckingham without revealing her dangerous secret much to the duke's surprise she smiled upon him and gave a cordial welcome saying my lord you have been unkind to us of late and have not shown us the light of your countenance i am glad to see you once more tell me the news i cannot say there is much of interest i have learned the new dance from caskadin if that is news and hope for a favour at our next ball from the fairest lady in the world and quite welcome returned mary complacently appropriating the title and welcome to more than one i hope my lord this graciousness would have looked suspicious to one with less vanity than buckingham but he saw no craft in it he did see however that mary did not know who had attacked her in billingsgate and he felt greatly relieved the duke smiled and smirked and was enchanted at her kindness they walked down the corridor talking and laughing mary awaiting an opportunity to put the important question without exciting suspicion at last it came when buckingham half inquiringly expressed his surprise that mary should be found sitting at the king's door i am waiting to see the king said she little caskadin's friend brandon has been arrested for a brawl of some sort over in london and sir edwin and lady jane have importuned me to obtain his release which i have promised to do perhaps your grace will allow me to petition you in place of carrying my request to the king you are quite as powerful as his majesty in london and i should like to ask you to obtain for master brandon his liberty at once i shall hold myself infinitely obliged if your lordship will do this for me she smiled upon him her sweetest smile and assumed an indifference that would have deceived any one but buckingham upon him under the circumstances it was worse than wasted buckingham at once consented and said that notwithstanding the fact that he did not like brandon to oblige her highness he would undertake to befriend a much more disagreeable person i fear he said it will have to be done secretly by conniving at his escape rather than by an order for his release the citizens are greatly aroused over the alarming frequency of such occurrences and as many of the offenders have lately escaped punishment by reason of court interference i fear this man brandon will have to bear the brunt in the london mine of all these unpunished crimes it will be next to impossible to liberate him except by arranging privately with the keeper for his escape he could go down into the country and wait in seclusion until it is all blown over or until london has a new victim and then an order can be made pardoning him and he can return pardoning him what are you talking of my lord he has done nothing to be pardoned for he should be and shall be rewarded mary spoke impetuously but caught herself and tried to remedy her blunder that is if i have heard the straight of it i have been told that the killing was done in the defence of two women think of this poor unconscious girl so full of grief and trouble talking thus to buckingham who knew so much more about the affair than even she 
who had taken so active a part in it. "'Who told you of it?' asked the Duke. Mary saw she had made a mistake, and after hesitating for a moment answered, "'Sir Edwin Caskoden. He had it from Master Brandon, I suppose.' Rather adroit this was, but equidistant from both truth and effectiveness. "'I will go at once to London and arrange for Brandon's escape,' said Buckingham, preparing to leave. "'But you must not divulge the fact that I do it.' It would cost me all the favor I enjoy with the people of London, though I would willingly lose that favor a thousand times over for a smile from you. She gave the smile, and, as he left, followed his retiring figure with her eyes and thought, After all, he has a kind heart. She breathed a sigh of relief, too, for she felt she had accomplished Brandon's release, and still retained her dangerous secret, the divulging of which, she feared, would harden Henry's heart against her blandishments and strand her upon the throne of France. But she was not entirely satisfied with the arrangement. She knew that her obligation to Brandon was such as to demand of her that she should not leave the matter of his release to any other person, much less to an enemy such as Buckingham yet the cost of his freedom by a direct act of her own would be so great that she was tempted to take whatever risk there might be in the way that had opened itself to her. Not that she would not have made the sacrifice willingly, or would not have told Henry all, if that were the only chance to save Brandon's life. But the other way, the one she had taken by Buckingham's help, seemed safe, and though not entirely satisfying, she could not see how it could miscarry. Buckingham was notably jealous of his knightly word, and she had unbounded faith in her influence over him. In short, like many another person, she was as wrong as possible just at the time when she thought she was entirely right, and when the cost of a mistake was at its maximum. She recoiled also from the thought of Brandon's escape, and it hurt her that he should be a fugitive from the justice that should reward him. Yet she quieted these disturbing suggestions with the thought that it would be only for a short time, and Brandon, she knew, would be only too glad to make the sacrifice if it purchased for her freedom from the worse than damnation that lurked in the French marriage. All this ran quickly through Mary's mind, and brought relief but it did not cure the uneasy sense, weighing like lead upon her heart, that she should take up chance with this man's life, and should put no further weight of sacrifice upon him, but should go to the king, and tell him a straightforward story, let it hurt where it would. With a little meditation, however, came a thought which decided the question, and absolutely made everything bright again for her, so great was her capability for distilling light. She would go at once to Windsor with Jane, and would dispatch a note to Brandon at Newgate, telling him upon his escape to come to her. He might remain in hiding in the neighborhood of Windsor, and she could see him every day. The time had come to Mary when to see him every day would turn Plutonian shades into noonday brightness, and weave sunbeams out of utter darkness. With Mary, 
to resolve was to act so the note was soon dispatched by a page and one hour later the girls were on their road to windsor buckingham went to newgate expecting to make a virtue with mary out of the necessity imposed by the king's command in freeing brandon he had hoped to induce brandon to leave london stealthily and immediately by representing to him the evil consequences of a break between the citizens and the king liable to grow out of his release and relied on brandon's generosity to help him out but when he found the note which mary's page had delivered to the keeper of newgate he read it and all his plans were changed he caused the keeper to send the note to the king suppressing the fact that he buckingham had any knowledge of it the duke then at once started to greenwich where he arrived and sought the king a few minutes before the time he knew the messenger with mary's note would come the king was soon found and buckingham in apparent anger told him that the city authorities refused to deliver brandon except upon an order under the king's seal henry and buckingham were intensely indignant at the conduct of the scurvy burghers and an immense amount of self-importance was displayed and shamefully wasted this manifestation was at its highest when the messenger from newgate arrived with mary's poor little note as intended by the duke the note was handed to henry who read aloud as follows to master charles brandon greeting soon you will be at liberty perhaps ere this is to your hand surely would i not leave you long in prison i go to windsor at once there to live in the hope that i may see you speedily mary what is this cried henry my sister writing to brandon god's death my lord of buckingham the suspicions you whispered in my ears may have some truth we will let this fellow remain in newgate and allow our good people of london to take their own course with him buckingham went to windsor next day and told mary that arrangements had been made the night before for brandon's escape and that he had heard that brandon had left for new spain mary thanked the duke but had no smiles for any one her supply was exhausted she remained at windsor nursing her love for the sake of the very pain it brought her and dreading the battle for more than life itself which she knew she would soon be called upon to fight at times she would fall into one of her old fits of anger because brandon had not come to see her before he left but soon the anger melted into tears and the tears brought a sort of joy when she thought that he had run away from her because he loved her after brandon's defence of her in billingsgate mary had begun to see the whole situation differently and everything was changed she still saw the same great distance between them as before but with this difference she was looking up now before that event he had been plain charles brandon and she the princess mary she was the princess still but he was a demigod no mere mortal thought she could be so brave and strong and generous and wise and above all no mere mortal could vanquish odds of four to one 
in the night she would lie on jane's arm and amid smothered sobs would softly talk of her lover and praise his beauty and perfections and pour her pathetic little tale over and over again into jane's receptive ear and warm responsive heart and jane answered with soft little kisses that would have consoled niobe herself then mary would tell how the doors of her life at the ripe age of eighteen were closed for ever and for ever and that her few remaining years would be but years of waiting for the end at other times she would brighten and repeat what brandon had told her about new spain how fortune's door was open there to those who chose to come and how he the best and bravest of them all would surely win glory and fortune and then returned to buy her from her brother henry with millions of pounds of yellow gold ah she would wait she would wait like bayard she placed her ransom at a high figure and honestly thought herself worth it and so she was to brandon or rather had been but at this particular time the market was down as you will shortly hear so mary remained at windsor and grieved and wept and dreamed and longed that she might see across the miles of billowy ocean to her love her love her love meanwhile brandon had his trial in secret down in london and had been condemned to be hanged drawn and quartered for having saved to her more than life itself put not your trust in princesses End of chapter nine